Iced tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love I, it. You way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, I am a first-class name dropper. The great, legendary John Madden. And then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's- <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is that? Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I sniffed that out. I sniffed that out. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. I have been accused many times in my career of phoning it in. Uh, I always took umbrage to that, but I can uh, be accused of that literally. I am phoning in this edition of the podcast. Uh, We taped the week's edition of the podcast, the normal week's edition of the podcast, on Monday this week with Maurice Jones-Drew of Jacksonville. And uh, it was an entertaining conversation with him when the ball flew over the right upright or in the vicinity of the right upright in Baltimore to end the controversial Sunday night game. We called Adam Carolla since that's his big pet peeve. He wants to raise the uprights. We had a fun (laughs) conversation with him. And Gillian Jacobs of Community came in. We had fun with her. And we figured that would be the end of that, that whatever happened in Seattle between Green Bay and Seattle would be compelling, would be interesting, but but uh, would wait till later in the week or perhaps next week to discuss, and then all holy heck broke loose in the National Football League. So we figured we had to do another edition of the podcast, a short and brief edition of the podcast, to talk about what happened on Monday night in Seattle. And to help us do that is a man who was pictured on the field almost within seconds after the controversial ending uh, occurred, and uh, it was fun not only seeing him because we're friends with him, but he also gave voice to perhaps what every fan <laughs> sitting and watching the game from their couches were saying. And, uh, you know, obviously since it's a family program, we can't repeat it, but uh, we're pleased to have Michael Silver of Yahoo Sports on the phone right now as well. How are you, Michael? Great, Rich. How are you? I'm fine. So first things first is, how were you on the field so quickly? Where were you watching this final play of the game and being able to have such a vantage point to know on the spot as to how bizarre that ending truly was? Well, I was on the Seahawks sideline, uh, opposite side of the field, and uh, it just the the bedlam uh, afterwards was so uh, chaotic that somehow I found myself back over, uh, you know, almost diagonal from where I was, so back over sort of a across uh, near the end zone where the catch happened, but, uh, you know, over on the other side with the Packers sideline, and Aaron and I sort of ended up in the same place, and I've known him for a very long time and uh, know him well, and I think I was reading his cues because I did not have a great view of the pass with the naked eye, and he was absolutely certain that a grave injustice was occurring and almost resigned to the fact that replay was not going to, be a remedy. In other words, whatever happened in the regular call, it was the burden of proof intensifies, and then to get to a an overturn with indisputable evidence was going to be an uphill climb, especially there. So, I, I think as they were calling touchdown, he was sure it was wrong, and uh, you know, desperate to try to to get in somebody's ear. 
And so we both sort of said the same type of thing that, you know, that WTF, yes. uh, you know, moment. And for me, it was more of a genuine, like, I really don't know what happened, but I'm watching you thinking it wasn't good for you. And I think he said it rhetorically more, but, uh, yeah, wild scene. And then I, I really, I ended up around Mike McCarthy for a lot of the aftermath and I, I didn't have a chance to get to their locker room afterwards because I was running off to hang out with Marshawn Lynch, which is another story. But uh, I believe that what happened is Mike McCarthy got so frustrated and fed up after the replay decision that he pulled his team into the locker room and basically said, screw it, we're not doing that extra point. We're not going to be. Yeah, I was, I was wondering for a moment as we're, I mean, Tarico and, and, uh, and Gruden were right on top of it on yes. Monday Night Football. And was, they were one. Gruden was not only in such good form, but at, literally at five in the morning, the texts that he was sending me were almost better. And, like what? You know, he, he, he was give me a little in, bit of a, a sense, or he was the coach in the tuck roll, tuck roll game, so I think he understands injustice. But I mean, literally, uh, I didn't understand how strong, you know, some of the announcers were. Uh, I did talk to Dilfer in the middle of the night for a long time, which was interesting, and then Gruden and I had a, a text conversation. But, uh, you know, I think people who love the game of football and love, uh, you know, I, for want of a better adjective, just sort of the top-notch uh, sheen, the classy element, you're seeing the best of the best, were offended on a lot of levels because it's not just that this was a grave officiating error that impacted a game and may impact a lot more. We've seen that before, and it sucks, but it's part of the human element. Uh, what made this such a watershed moment is that it just was so avoidable. It spoke to, in a lot of people's minds, this sense that, well, in an effort to win this labor battle uh, in, an un in what some believe is an uncompromising way, uh, you know, we all got put in this position. Now, hopefully, this is the only lasting damage, and instead we all look back and say, oh, yeah, there were some games where we all got frustrated, but it really didn't change much except possibly this one. Uh, but I, I do hope that the that a week from now we're talking about how the regular refs were back, well, and, gee, no they question. made a few mistakes, too. There's no question about that, and as we, you and I are talking about this, we might as well date it because yeah. who know, uh, we're, we're, talking, uh, we're talking right around 7 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday night, and for the fourth consecutive day, both sides, the uh, league and the referees association, have been meeting and hopefully coming to a consensus by the time that uh, our, the NFL Network game goes on the air on Thursday in Baltimore – that we have we have some regular guys back because I, I I mean you're seeing your Twitter feed I see my Twitter feed uh, it's blowing up and and a lot of fans are really ticked off and a lot of people may think well you know the NFL survived that whole lockout of the players last year and and it came back stronger than ever but I think what it did was it took a a layer away of of the fans' patience that has been tested again with these referees and in some ways but depending on what the fans uh, where they're coming from, the bounty stuff as well. It's just one thing on top of another on top of another. And you mentioned in your superb column on Yahoo Sports, you're talking about with Marshawn Lynch hanging with him. You mentioned the words jumping the shark, that the NFL may have jumped the shark with this. Was that 
something now that you have hindsight of several hours that you you still firmly believe that the NFL could have jumped the shark with this moment, or this is just another one of those moments that we'll look back on and say it was a shame, but the league's as strong as ever. Well, I want to see how it plays out in the aftermath, and I, and I conceded in that column, which I wrote in the middle of the night, that I may have been being an alarmist, and you know I do worry, as do you, because we got a great thing going, and it is you know covering it is part of the awesomeness of this massively successful, entertaining, and cool operation that is growing and growing and growing. So I do get a little concerned sometimes when I see vulnerability. Um, and, I, you know, the NFL owners are, they can be very tough and unyielding and, and they want to win their battles, and they usually do. Uh, but I don't think they're tone deaf and stupid. And I believe that, yeah, they might be able to continue to shake down the officials and people are still watching, but it has become a thing and, and a PR thing and, a, and really a, a, you know, a rallying cry now for a lot of people. And, you know, in my alarmist mode, I talked about boxing, and I said, look, the two reasons I believe boxing has been marginalized and, and fallen from its previous perch, uh, one, you, the brutality of the sport is so, it's such an obvious thing, and the, uh, the effect on the people who perform in it is so gruesome and obvious that it is harder to watch it without having to think about that. And Well, obviously, with the head trauma stuff in the NFL, I worry. I really don't think it's going to approach boxing, a sport where the object is to knock another man unconscious, but uh, certainly we all have our antenna up on that and are, are working very, very hard to try to make it a better environment. And I believe, by the way, talk about the legal backdrop and the image and all that. I believe Roger Goodell from the bottom of his heart sincerely wants to attack this issue and protect the men who play the game. There are a lot of things he can be criticized for, but I don't believe he's disingenuous in any way when it comes to that. No, I agree and I and I agree with you on that front. Yeah. But and 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 with your your second part of the analogy would be just the the, the fact that the credibility of right. Boxing, you got you, you got to think it's fair and you got to think it's real. No, now, right. Unless the ref who or the officials who made these this ruling in Seattle unless we find Facebook fan pages with Seahawks gear that approximates what that other official had with the Saints. Uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be a great case that this was a Tim Donahue thing or somebody was biased toward the Seahawks. I think it was just a mistake. And uh, but still, you want to believe that what you're seeing is uh, credible and real. And when it's so egregious and with a safeguard in place, replay that that could have prevented it, um, you know, it, it is frustrating to a lot of people. Now, hopefully the Packers don't miss the playoffs because of this. Hopefully the Seahawks don't make it at someone else's expense because of this one game. And really, hopefully they, all, they both meet, uh, they meet again in the playoffs. But unfortunately what, what this has done is, and we said it on, on our show weeks ago when this thing was first starting, when the season was first starting, is that my concern was that there would be an asterisk game. That there'd yeah. be a game, with, and I, I, I pegged Week One uh, Niners and Packers as a possibility for that, where suddenly where a playoff game is getting played gets switched. 
because yeah. uh, of a refereeing decision. And then, you know, it, it happened Monday night. I mean, it just flat out happened yeah. Monday night. You're right. The Ed Hockley in Denver moment. And really well, yeah, worse. But because... That's a good point, too, is that we have seen stuff like that from the regular referees. Right. And, but and that's sad. But, that's but, sad. but here's, you know, the problem is it was, it's, there's a tentativeness and a hesitant. That is, no question. That, that just makes watching it harder for fans of both teams and for neutral parties. And by the way, we're in an era where it's not just fans of both teams. There are people who had gaming interests and fantasy interests on the line as well. Well, well and, and to me, that, that's been the issue with these replacement refs from the get-go, is the administration of the game. Yes. Is that everybody involved, coaches, players, general managers, everybody involved, announcers, people who, who have interest in the game, have no confidence in these guys to run the game Properly, and they have shown no ability to improve on that front over the entire seven weeks, if you want to include all of the preseason. Not a single moment have they been able to improve at that, and it's sort of just like playoff sports. At the highest level, playoff sports, the, the, the weakest link will get exposed, always. If there's a guy yes. in left field who has trouble catching the ball, you know, the ball will find him. If in the NBA somebody has trouble stopping somebody off the dribble, the point guard uh, will find him. I mean, it just, it's, yeah. and, and it just happened la- on Monday night. It happened. It actually 100% happened. And as you pointed out in your column, also it happened on a play that was improperly called in the huddle by Russell Wilson. So it was like <laughs> yeah, almost just added another touch. Well, listen, I mean, this is a, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm sick of the disclaimers. A, Oh, these guys are trying their best. Don't take it out on them. Well, I'm going to be a little radical here and say they know what they signed up for. They're, by the way, other people would call them scabs. They're crossing a line in a labor dispute to do the job of somebody else and reduce those people's leverage and on a big stage. So they're not qualified to do it well, and they're tentative about it. I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. They knew what they're doing, and they deserve to be – uh, in my mind, uh, held accountable, if nothing else, for the lack of performance. You know, let's let's get over the larger labor backdrop because no one wants to hear me go on that rant. Uh, it's you know, it's only been, it's only been a year since the right. other lockout. Secondly, uh, well, these players and coaches need to stop bullying them and get over it. Well, I think Rich, you and I, as people who are in this world, scoff at that. Uh, these people they're, they're are jobs and livelihoods are on the line. Right, it, jobs, livelihoods, where you live, yeah. uh, what your legacy is. I mean, yeah. we've both talked to certain people we know well who may work at your network, whose legacies were affected possibly by scandal. Let's say before Super Bowl uh, thirty-four. Yeah, they're 36, right? And, and, and uh, you know, what would have happened if, say, the Rams beat the Patriots in that game if there was some unfair – I mean, what a – how many dominoes change in a different way or fall differently? So, yes, this is huge. This is big. You know, this is why you have to leave your city or lose your job. And not just that, the whole – 
reason these people have ascended, you know, have fought their way through this funnel to get to this incredibly high level where so many other tough competitors, athletically gifted people have not, is because they are the most competitive and they have intimidated people along the way. And as one person told me who I quoted in my column, we prey on the weak. That's what we do. So yeah, an official who's not qualified and who's showing that tentativeness, you're darn right Jim Harbaugh's going to try to get 18 challenges and extra timeouts. And you're darn right Bill Belichick and uh, Sam Acho, who I saw in Arizona talk an official into throwing a, a grounding flag late on Michael Vick, uh, which, by the way, was whistled off for 20 yards. Someone explained that one to me. Uh, yes, it's going to be that way. And look, it's a business. It's a business dispute. And I can't tell these very successful owners uh, always how to do their business. And I'm not 100% convinced that the regular officials aren't being a little bit hardline on this, maybe because they've been waiting for a moment and because they have other jobs. And now I hope they don't dance in the end zone. If I were the referees union, I would be more conciliatory. I'd be a little counterintuitive in the wake of this. And instead of saying, ha ha, gotcha, I'd say, come on, let's meet in the middle, guys, and let's all save face. And I just think, you know, stepping outside of the business part of it, I just think if we could throw the fans a bone right now, it would be a nice gesture and we could put this behind us. And the owners can still win. Just instead of winning 70 to nothing, maybe they win, you know, 14-12 on a last-second pass. Uh, you know, that's the analogy, and we move on. Yeah, but unfortunately for the moment, what it has done is it has created an environment in which the modern-day Lombardi touches an official. Yeah. It has created an yeah. environment where fans uh, believe the product is second-rate. Or it's certainly not, let's yeah. put it this way, it's certainly not what we have come to expect or love or appreciate. Right. And, and feel to be taken for granted, which is the last thing that all the people that we have mentioned, in terms from the commissioner to owners, really want. So the, qu- the question is, is, when does this get done? And I know that that, that that dates everything. Yeah. But you read things from, well, the owners aren't going to be budged by, by this, that short, short-term pain, but long-term gain in terms of gaining control of the officials, things of that nature. But that could just be, you know, a negotiating stance. Yeah, it's, I, I just think it's, it's all leverage. And, and I, I, my gut, and again, this will be dated, but my gut tells me that your network will broadcast the last replacement official uh, game. You know, it would be... Again, it just puts so many people in a tough position from coaches with John Harbaugh back out there again. Yes. And, and you know, with the Browns facing an 0-4 star yeah. right in the face, I mean, the pressure gets more and more intense. To be very honest with those of us, me, you, everybody who covers the game and knows everybody and, and you know, and, and seeks the access. And, uh, you know, it is a very difficult line that we are all yeah. uh, towing, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when and, the – When the voices of conscience, you know, all start to weigh in uniformly in a strong manner, I mean, I know these people. Not only do I admire all you guys because you're, you know, you're very, very good at what you do, but I know, you know, how deeply you care. So when I know these things aren't uttered lightly, so when you and 
Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth well, and you saw, I mean Al was basically biting his tongue and and Tarico yeah. too and everybody because it, again we we love this sport we want to we want to place it on a pedestal I mean let's be very yeah. honest and uh, this makes it it makes it absolutely difficult to do I mean I, I think your point that's a you know that's a really good way of putting it and I hadn't thought of it in those terms but I think the lockout probably did peel away a layer so it's unseen right we yeah, I mean it's it unseen and and for people to think that this is just short term gain I I would beg to differ it's another layer of fan patience it, that gets yeah, and and I you know I also you know as someone who thinks Roger Goodell has been a lot better than than he's sometimes portrayed to be lately by critics I think I want to see him be a strong leader with a lot of credibility and you know, when I see players starting to, you know, n- not quite, we're not talking open rebellion, but, you know, getting, you know, starting to get that uh, this is Roger's fault thing. Now, as with the other lockout, I-, I believe the owners are driving the process, but Roger's the equivalent of the quarterback. He's going to be out front. And if, if well, he's the got receiver, broad shoulders. I mean, yeah, yeah and the receiver runs the wrong route and uh, an interception's thrown, that's still on the quarterback. So, I, I want Roger to be able to say, "Hey, the shield." When he talks about the shield, you know I, that resonates with all of us. It's cool. Like I, I, I don't always agree with his actions, but I, I know why he wants to protect his brand at all costs. So when I see the brand looking cheapened and it's avoidable, it's easy for me to say just settle. But I, you know, but it, I know, I, 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 you know, it's easy for me to say. But hey, knuckleheads on both sides, let's just settle. Now I'm you a year and a half. Yeah, I know it's like. <laughs> That's basically where 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 I was with the whole lockout thing. Yeah. And I think we're all in that spot again, because it's just. But again, like I said, I mean, Bel- under what circumstances would Bill Belichick ever touch an official? Ever, you know, in any other circumstance, like never, right? I mean, you'd never see these coaches like John Fox and whomever out by the numbers and screaming and yelling. You would never see that. Yeah, and, and really, for all the times I've I've been critical of Bill Belichick's behavior because there's pushing a photographer and not shaking Tom Coughlin's hand and things that I thought were were over the line. Um, yeah, you can't grab a ref, but. There isn't. I, I do understand the psyche. Uh, it's let me let me call it the seventy-two Soviet coach running on the court to stop the clock uh, concept. In that, if an if an injustice is being done, and if you if it isn't caught immediately, it will then be too late, and you're like the Packers are today, saying, "God, we got cheated." Everybody knows, but there's nothing you could do about it. There is an element of, hey, just run on the floor and stop the game, and maybe if you do that, you'll get a gift oh, from it's the just... officials and the basketball gods and win, win a gold medal you don't deserve. So I, I'm sure because of replay and because once you clear the field, it's a, you know, it, it is much tougher to rectify. I'm sure in Bill's mind, he's going, hey, stop and talk to me. I want to see, I want you to take a look and see if that ball was good or not. And because maybe not understanding the rule because Michael, he doesn't trust the officials to administrate the game properly. Yeah, absolutely. The regular officials would know we got to go to, we got to talk to the coach. We yes. Just, they would right. know that. Absolutely. They're not, they're uh, not, these guys, they don't, they don't have big them. eyes thinking I got to get out of this stadium. And by the way, you know, the home team has won each of those, you know, the Sunday night and the Monday night game, you know, so I don't think there's a conspiracy, but I, I do think when you're, you're officiating scared, 
it's probably human nature to think. No. I mean, listen, these sixty-eight thousand people. If I take something away from them, I might be, you know, a hunted man. And that's that, just, Mike, that's if primal. They, if, if Mike, if they'd done the right thing and reversed that, they would have needed a national guard to get out of that stadium. And the fi- the crazy thing too is the 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 regular the regular. <laughs> Uh, replay official yeah. and, uh, and and somebody from the league who happened to be Phil Luckett, so the guy who botched the the coin wow. toss, one of the more famous administrative sports wow. refereeing history, was involved in this too. I'm so, just glad it wasn't Bill Levy. I mean, if you, well, he, I, he's as you know one of the locked out guys. But I mean, it, it, and and it just puts again everyone in such a difficult situation with like Pete Carroll getting blasted all day Tuesday because the guy is not going to sit there and apologize. Well, for he didn't know. Him. Look, I was with Marshawn Lynch and some other people late last night, and I saw the reveal for all of us because we had not seen the replay. We were out eating and had heard about it, and the look on his face when he saw the replay said to me, oh, my God, I now realize that in, this was not justice. And it's it, you know and uh, you know and eventually he said hey I, I don't think I should have to apologize for this you know it's not my fault but um, I, let's give Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and everyone a little bit of a break in that they're battling to put themselves in position to win a tough game the refs say it's a touchdown it's not like the ball bounced on the turf it was an interpretation and they missed they obviously missed the push off and they're. You know, it's not their job to say, hey, let's look at the replay and see if I should celebrate right now. They're celebrating. Now, I would say Golden Tate, in retrospect, maybe wishes he didn't play dumb about the push-off because, yeah, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the yeah, that is, not, that is, yeah, I agree with you on that, but Pete Carroll, him out, but, I mean, as you uh, pointed out, as you pointed out, it, Pete Carroll didn't know, I mean, he, what, what was going on specifically, and, and he can't, I mean, it was in that stadium, by the way, that Mariucci told me, he didn't know Terrell Owens had pulled a Sharpie out of his sock until somebody told him. <laughs> so, I mean, well, it's, I'm sure Mooch was thrilled when I know, he was absorbed. So again, I guess just to wrap this thing up, Mike, uh, again, people should read your columns, that one, and also the one you did on Shiano last week was Thank you, and I actually wrote about this officiating thing before the game, and, and you know, I, I felt that it had already reached a tipping point, and that we needed to restore the faith. And then, obviously, you know, it all got. Uh, now it's on steroids. But thank you. Right. I, I wrote about Shiano, and Super yeah, if anything, uh, Pete Carroll, if I would take him to task for anything, it's later agreeing with Shiano and saying I would. Uh, I'd right. go after someone too. Well, so you and and so you think our Thursday night game uh, will have replacement officials, but the rest of Week Four will, will not. Well, I'm trying to be positive. I believe, okay, let me just put a disclaimer. This is assuming that everybody's reasonable. And I really hope that both sides are, because as you know, you've got to live with each other after a hard negotiation, and really coming out with a face-saving settlement is important. So the the referees, the locked-out referees, have to now put aside the temptation to say, ha-ha, you're, you're just settling under duress. Because if the NFL settles now, it's going to look like, oh, gosh, we caved because of this massive uh, gaffe, which it, for all intents and purposes may be true. But I think if, the, if they're met halfway and it's a realistic settlement where everybody gets something they want, then uh, they can feel a little bit better about it. And, uh, you know, we can put it behind us. And then really it's going to be – do the Packers 
end up not being in a certain position because of this game and or do the Seahawks edge somebody else out who would have made the playoffs because of this victory. If none of that happens, maybe we'll get lucky. They'll settle, the refs will come back, we'll have an awesome season, both these teams will make it and be where they would have been anyway, and they'll play again and it'll get amazing ratings. I mean, I'm just going to try to be an optimist and believe that on Sunday, because I don't believe it takes a zillion days to get the regular refs back. I think that's just bargaining talk. And and then and then how quickly will it be till the regular refs come back and get standing ovations and then they've been told they're sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one call. One call. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you know, fans are not very uh they're not very objective no. about these things. I, I you know, sometimes Rich, believe it or not, either watching my kids play or watching my alma mater play, I sometimes tend to believe that my team is getting screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling, Mike. We appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. I wrote All right, Mike. That's Mike Silver on a special, uh, I guess, DEFCON 1 edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. Stay listening.